0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Ask Anything presented by Mosher Consulting. I'm your host, Angel Leon, Mosher's Director of Personnel. After a nice break this past week, we're back for our next episode in which we have two guests from our Data Analytics Division. This time, we have the Director of our Analytics Department, Adrian Watts, and Sarah Moore, who's one of our technology leaders. With them today, we will be talking about human-centered design. Adrian Watts is the Director of Analytics in Mosher's Data Analytics Division. A passionate data wrangler and problem solver, she has been delivering data solutions for 21 years across a variety of industries and platforms. Sarah Moore is Senior Consultant and Data Visualization Engineer in the Data Analytics Department at Mosher. She tells stories with data with a focus in human-centered design thinking. She has a passion for combining creativity with complex data and analysis. Setting out of our 10 plus years of experience working in analytical and financial roles in a variety of industries and international environments. Ladies, it's a pleasure to have you with us and ask you anything. Thank you very much for being here with us today to talk about such an interesting topic.
1: Thank you for having us. We're glad to be here and we're going to be talking about human-centered design or design thinking and how we apply that process to analytics.
0: So in asking You Anything, we like to start with the basics. So could you please tell me what exactly is human-centered design?
1: It's a creative approach to problem-solving or designing a product where the entire design process is centered around the humans or end users. Design thinking is a design process that places the end user at the core from start to finish. The entire process is really centered on knowing and understanding the users. It can be used to design anything from a cereal box, an app for a mobile phone, a board game, anything that people interact with. For data and analytics, instead of the data engineers solving a problem or designing a solution from their own perspective, it's about how the user views the problem or what their need is, how the users think about it, how it will be perceived or interacted with, or how they approach the product or how they will use the data.
0: That's a lot of great information there. I like, I like what you use about the cereal box design. I've got kids. So obviously, I'm looking at cereal boxes all the time uh, in the grocery store at home. So going into a little bit about human-centered design, I understand there's five faces through human-centered design or human-centered thinking. So could you describe them to us?
2: Yeah, so design thinking, what we'll be talking about today, it's a five-phase process that truly places the end user at the core of every phase. And so that includes empathize, define, ideate, prototype, and then test and iterate. And so we're going to walk through some of what those are and also give some examples of what that can look like.
1: And we're going to talk about how we apply that specific process to analytic deliverables. So it can be used for the delivery of a variety of different analytic solutions from data science and machine learning to reports and dashboards. And today we're going to focus primarily on dashboards, which are reports which use strong visualizations such as bar charts, line graphs, et cetera, to tell a story.
0: Okay, so let's start with empathize, right? That's, that would be the first phase of the uh, human-centered design.
1: Yeah, so phase one is empathize, and for us that's really the who phase, getting to know who is going to be the consumer or the end user. We also call this a big portion of our discovery phase, and this is where we put ourselves in the user's shoes uh, to see the problem from their perspective, and more than just their needs, but also their behaviors. We want to speak directly with the people who are going to be using the reports and dashboards and just place them in the center of our design process from the very start um, through all the iterations to the finished product. We'll spend a lot of time understanding what their needs are, um, empathizing with how they're going to interact and behave, how they're going to make decisions based on the data that we deliver to them. And we just want to capture all their pain points and learning as much as possible about the users.
2: So if we were to give an example of what this looked like, let's just say that you've been tasked to create a dashboard or a visual display for human resources in a company. And so what they want you to do is pretty much tell a data story with their employee data. what what does this look like in the empathize phase? Well, we're going to start to try and identify who are the end users? Who's gonna be touching not just the data, but the report? And then what is the impact on the decisions being made? So that probably would be the employees. So maybe as we start to talk and identify whoever requested this dashboard, that the people who could consume the data is not only people like a team manager who maybe is trying to create a a budget for their team, but the payroll team is trying to look at data in a certain way and maybe analyze it, download it, um, and see the data across time and trend lines and even recruiters, maybe people are trying to open, see open positions and fill them. So we've already just started to put together a big list of different requirements, uh, a lot of places the data may be coming from, um, and then asking questions of them, like how are you gonna use this? And as Adrian mentioned, like what decisions are gonna be made? What actions are gonna come from looking at this data? How far back should the data go? If we're gonna look at trends, is it 10 years? Is it five years, et cetera? Um, And even asking questions such as, do you have business rules or certain logic that we should know? Um, Maybe you have colors and and logos that we want to incorporate. So all kinds of questions that we're asking, um, but as we've explained, really centered on the end user, on the human.
1: Another thing that we take into consideration is how technologically savvy they are. Have they ever used a dashboard before or a report and how, how they're going to share that visual after they receive it? Like maybe they're going to put it in PowerPoint or send out an email and what their next steps are. So we spend a lot of time uh, understanding the use case. The questions during this phase will differ from project to project, but this phase is where you get to know the users and really understand them.
0: I was going to say because we we mentioned this when we were doing our pre uh, meeting for this, it sounds a lot like you're creating a persona basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're you're starting out with that outline of what exactly you guys should be looking at by basically empathizing uh, in this stage, empathizing with the end user.
2: Yes. Yeah, and understanding their behaviors and their motivation. So not just like what their job role is and the decisions they're making, but we want to understand and like you said, uh, create a persona around a typical end user.
1: Yeah, so there are particular artifacts that, that are associated with each of these phases. And a persona is definitely one that comes out of the empathize phase.
0: Okay, so moving on to the next phase, the define phase. Um, and how that process evolves from that, creating that initial persona to what's next.
1: Right, phase two is called define. And we're moving on from the who to the why. What problem are we trying to solve or what value are we trying to add? And so for analytics and dashboarding, this is really about what story can be told with the data. And a lot of questions come out during this phase as well. What different types of data are needed what patterns exist from speaking with the users? What challenges or pain points do they have? What different types of reports would meet the needs for them? And which different users may interact with the report or data differently, which could drive uh, different data stories or different reports.
2: Yeah. So if we take uh, the example that we just shared about the human resource dashboard, following what Adrian just listed we're we're taking uh, all the information we gathered after talking to you know the finance department the payroll department a few team managers and trying to identify uh, and narrow down the scope of Really, what are we solving for? You know, we we have so many options and different end users, but this report is specifically going to be for this level of end user. Or maybe we're going to have a a landing summary page, and that'll go into different reports. You know, here we're brainstorming all the different kind of options. And maybe after talking to all those different teams and departments, we realize there is, you know, a pattern in some of their needs. They all want to look at the data full-time and part-time data over time, or employee data over time. And so we know that might be a potential data story or data point that we could pull out and start to build a report around. You know, we've gathered some sample data, maybe some artifacts in all these interviews. So we're starting to look at the data a little bit, not just consolidate all the information we've gathered from the different end users we've talked to. So here um, is where, where we might see, you know, hiring is always down in December, but terminations are highest in January. I don't know if that's real, but you know, maybe that's something that's significant in making certain budgeting decisions for the team managers. And so that could be, you know, a potential solution or data story point to look at.
1: Okay. And the third phase is called ideate. And really, this is the creative stage and the brainstorming stage. And the goal here is to bring a group of people together and brainstorm all the possible solutions from the smallest, simplest, easiest solution to the biggest, grandest one to just be creative, create a safe space for everyone to share ideas and not hold back to get that diverse perspective represented. And we're thinking of all the different technologies and the unusual approaches in here as well. So creative and unexpected ideas are encouraged. And then we'll start narrowing down the decisions, refining them, tossing out the ones that maybe won't work or out of scope and start improving on the good ones and start to focus on the viable ones until there's a clear leader or two. So for our analytics deliverables, we'll start to finalize on one main data story, but move three or four designs through to the next
2: phase. An example of the IDA coming down from define, you're really going to focus on that solution that you've you've narrowed down from the define phase and trying to filter through a lot of your ideas and brainstorming through this. Because I I think things could easily get out of scope. So maybe we've decided here that we can't create a solution for recruiters. We're just going to focus on the payroll team, team management who's setting a budget, and maybe an executive leader who sees over all this data. So we've started to brainstorm, what, what could we put on a page? What could it look like? We start looking in the data and incorporating it into the platform or the product that we're going to be using. And as Adrian said, it's really helpful to really throw all the solutions and ideas out there because you never know which one might stick. But also keeping in mind that while we do have a lot of data, we can't provide a solution to every single problem. So keeping in mind what we did define earlier.
0: So We've gone from the creation of a persona. We've looked at that initial first step. We then moved on to taking what we learned in that original discovery within that empathize phase and trying to define what problems the end user is trying to solve to then brainstorming ideas about possible solutions to those problems. And now we go into the next step, which is prototype.
1: That's correct. Phase four is prototyping, and that's bringing that solution to life. So during the brainstorming session, we have filtered it down. We've got these leaders, and we're just going to prototype uh, what we think these solutions are going to look like. We're going to create some inexpensive, maybe scaled-down versions of a product just to see if we're on the right path. Uh, We're going to try to elicit useful feedback from users as we are prototyping to test out their reactions and kind of mature our prototypes as we go through this phase. And another thing that we'd like to just talk about is these phases can be very non-linear. Sometimes you can go back and forth and be very iterative in the phases themselves. So while there is an order, it's flexible. We can go back and forth. We might discover that we haven't talked to the right person or all of the right people or discover something new that leads down a different path, et cetera. So as we work through these phases, iteration is key.
2: An example um, that we're just going to continue with prototype, we've chosen to create a dashboard that has a landing page, a home summary page, but then we're also going to have two or three other supplemental reports that have details for specific end users. So here we're bringing in the data, we're trying to apply a theme, and as Adrian mentioned, maybe we'll have a few different themes because we want to iterate on that, give the end users or the client or whoever you're creating this for options so that they can be able to make decisions on design but also data story. So, you know, you've already started to sketch out the solution and put it together. You know, with our particular example, we're going to need a way to navigate through these different pages. So you've started to think through a navigation or menu option, buttons, ways to filter the data. So maybe you're adding a department slicer or filter. So that's something you need feedback from. So that's why you're continuing to keep the end user in mind. But also maybe we'll have to go back and ask more questions and part of that nonlinear process.
0: So to kind of speak a little bit about what you were saying, Adrian, about the process not being completely linear, when you get to the step, the prototype, this is where now since you're sort of testing what you've already developed, this is where you can go and to use the term sandbox environment, maybe, and just basically use those little tools and see what works and what doesn't work. And then if you need to go back to say the defined stage, because there's maybe a new data point came up during this sandbox environment and you're like, oh, wait a second, we need to actually define that and how that looks and then basically overhaul the whole process. So that's what that would look like, correct?
1: Yeah, that definitely happens. We put a lot of emphasis on iterate, which we'll get to a little bit in step five, but that's the core of this is that we haven't invested all that time and money to develop a final product without that useful feedback. And so we're gathering feedback constantly and just going back and iterating and then reviewing and demoing and testing. And so that brings us very much into step five, which is called test. I like to call it test and iterate because the emphasis is on the iteration part. And this is where we've prototyped enough and now we're creating a mature design and putting it in front of more and varied users. So we watch how they interact with it. And during this phase, um, in all the phases, really, the body language and nonverbal communication can mean as much to us as what they actually say. And so we're just gathering all that information um, their facial expressions. Uh, what do they get excited about? When do they look confused? When did they pause that we weren't expecting them to pause? And then we can follow up with questions on that um, to help them Uh, give a verbal response to what they're thinking or seeing or how they're interacting. So yeah, we drive a lot of questions out of that phase as well. What did you like? What did you not like? Uh, We continue with questions that we have used in earlier phases about what are you going to do next? How are you going to use this? We watch them actually go through that process and see how long does it take them? How intuitive was it? And and iterate on that feedback that we get on how can we make it more effective, more self-explanatory, more interactive? And is it driving the use case that we anticipated? Are they going to be able to make decisions on that data, share the data in the way that they want? Does it give them all the information and key points and KPIs and metrics that they need to do their job and move forward?
2: So going with the same human resource dashboard example and testing and iterating, um, it pretty much follows what Adrian has just said, but if we want to be specific, we've put together this interactive dashboard so people can click through it. They can filter or sometimes they say slice data. Maybe they can drill down or export it to do analysis. And we want to watch them do that. We want to make sure that it's usable. So we've put it into a solution and now we're demoing it for them, explaining to them how they can use it. And so maybe we're doing that with the payroll team and then separately with some team managers because we want to see how they interact with the overall tool, but also specifically the report we designed for them. So maybe some things that we take away is that they don't want to see a pie chart by termination reason. They want to see it by pay type or maybe the bars, uh, the colors we chose are hard for them to see or differentiate between each other so we need to go and and kind of check out our p- color palette and make sure that that is usable and helpful so sometimes it even could even come down to font you know we want this specific font to be used across the whole report or sometimes missing this data this is i have this question to answer and i can't answer it without this data so sometimes you know we go back and we're going to go and work with their payroll team to find out you know how to incorporate that into the data story as well
0: and those might seem like simple little details, specifically speaking about font, you know, color coding, etc. But at the end of the day, they tie into something that you just mentioned, Sarah, which is the usable piece. If I'm a user and the data that I'm looking at on my screen does not look right for me, uh, whether that's because of the color palette is different and you know my screen maybe does not portray those very well. Or if it's maybe a printing issue that I have, you know, for those of you out there that are still old school, that still need to print out reports, maybe you need something different when that paper comes out. And so it's not as usable on paper as it is on the screen.
1: Yeah, it's funny how much those details matter, right? Like,
0: Mm -hmm. changing
1: the font on a screen can change the entire look and feel of the artifact. So we can make the page look very, very vintage, or very modern, or very familiar, and so that can vary a lot as well as color. Color elicits an emotional response in a lot of users. Mm-hmm. It can feel bright and happy. It can, you know, we can change the look and feel in a lot of ways around the artistic side, and we our UI UX team focuses in on all of those things, and our data engineers are focused on the data story and the combination of those two things work their way and weave their way through these five phases. So that when we get to all these iterations with the users, we can collect that valuable feedback and adjust accordingly.
0: Yeah. I don't think that a bright blue or green uh, report on employee terminations is actually the best way to go, but uh, (laughs) (laughs) I think that'll be something that definitely needs to be uh, under the prototype and, and see how, what best coloring for that is. So We've discussed the five phases of the human-centered design, but at Mosure, the process doesn't necessarily end there. We have taken the liberty of adding an extra step, an extra phase, if you will, that Adrian's going to talk to us a little bit about. And I believe you call that drive.
1: Yes, thank you. Design thinking has these five phases, which culminate in the deployment or release of a product. Um, but for Mosure, we have a sixth step. It's called Drive, and that just represents the fact that we're not going to go away. After that product is released, we're still there for support and maintenance. We're still there for feedback or changes. So while the project might end, our involvement doesn't. Sometimes a client may get a new source system or a data point changes. So as our client's needs change over time, we're always here to help them redesign retest and iterate or make modifications as needed
0: I like that we we never leave it's like that we're just pesky we're always going to be there with you working with you it doesn't matter if we're done but we're always going to be there and that's why i think mosher is so successful in what we do because we want to make sure we're always customer driven customer focused so even at the end of such a nice process, you know, when we've got everything built out and we have your dashboard ready and we have everything that you've wanted, we're still there to give you a hand and help you with the data. I mean, at the end of the day, it's data and not everybody can define that data. Not everybody can produce it the way that we can. I did have one question that I thought of during the conversation. Have you ever encountered a case where like, you've, you go in with a client for that initial discovery phase And they've contacted us and they're asking specifically for something like they think they know what they want. And you go in and what you discover during discovery is that's not what you need at all. What you actually need is something significantly different.
1: Yeah, that actually happens a lot is the more discovery that we do and the more questions we ask, the deeper we dive into the data points, we learn new things. And that's a journey that we walk with the client, right? So that they are pivoting as well. And as we can show them more data points or they hear feedback from other teams or users that sometimes our direction will change a little bit or that they need the same data, maybe represented three or four different ways or different pages or different reports for different groups of users or teams. And that happens a lot. The other thing that happens a lot is they think they know until they see their actual data. And so once they see the data on the screen, it's not telling the story that they thought, or maybe it's more complex than they needed, or they need to see it rolled up or categorized or mapped differently. And so the teams are all well-versed. And having those conversations with them, like how, you know, maybe you weren't expecting 21 different categories of this particular area. So your bar chart's very wide or, you know, other things can happen with the data, way more outliers than they were expecting, et cetera. So we help them decide what information they need out of that. Can we combine those in a meaningful way? Can we select a different visual? How can we drill down, roll up to help them get the best data story out of their, the data that they have?
0: With that, we'd like to thank Adrian and Sarah for joining us today on Ask Anything. It's been great to talk about human-centered design. Thank you very much once again for joining us. Thank you,
1: thank you for having us.
0: Ask Anything will be back next week with another episode continuing to dive deeper with our resident experts and what they're currently working on. If you have an idea or a topic you'd like us to explore, please reach out to us through our social media channels. In the meantime, please remember to give us a rating and subscribe to our feed wherever you get your podcasts. Until then, so long, everybody.